Welcome to a new life podcast with Karen and Esther, where we get to exchange real and vulnerable conversations that stem from our personal journeys as Asian American women. We are here to shed some light on culture, faith, relationships, and mental health, all in hopes that you can say the words, me too. So, grab your coffee and dive in with us on a new life podcast. Hey guys, welcome to a new life podcast. This is Esther. And this is Karen. And it's been so long. Um, Maybe some of you guys don't recognize my voice. (laughs) Um, I've been kind of MIA for a bit, so was busy um, just spending some time with family and getting things things situated for um, potentially grad school so I was away for a bit it's good to be back well I hope I hope it was restful for you Esther I know that it was a much needed time for you and your husband so welcome back I missed you (laughs) I know it's been so great to hear Karen's mini series actually oh man Right, so while Esther was away, <laughs> I decided, oh, I, I could possibly start like a new series somehow, uh, just to get, you know, the ball rolling and for maybe our listeners to get to know me in, in different ways. So I started a mini series called Karen's Favorite Things, where I get to talk a lot about my favorite things. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I think I have three episodes out so far. So if you are interested, please go ahead and listen to it right after this yeah it's great karen is so classy (laughs) she's inspirational and i wish i could just embody her (laughs) oh you're so funny yeah well it's so great for the both of us to be back on air um obviously um we're an asian american podcast and um as two female asian american women our hearts have been heavy the past week um, due to the horrific hate crime that happened in Atlanta, Georgia. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, as an Asian American empowering podcast, we're going to dedicate this episode to have an open discussion around the hate crime surrounding the eight women's lives that were lost. Um, and also just use this space to openly process where we're at and how this has affected us. Mm-hmm. Um, and most importantly, we also want to use this platform to acknowledge the recent surge of, surge of Asian hate crimes that have worsened since the pandemic and to urge our community that we can't be silent anymore and we can't be afraid to cause waves because um, it's time for us to stand up for ourselves. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And Esther, you said it like so well of like it's just been a surging, you know, uh, wave of, you know, series of things happening uh, within our community, even here in our backyard. Um, You know, as I was checking Instagram the other day, like a lot of friends were just reposting stories and incidents that was happening like right up the hill from where I live um, and places that I normally shop at. And and it was just a really devastating, and disturbing, you know, uh, news to hear about. So, so this is very close to home for us. And I think, you know, what just happened this last week, especially in Atlanta, really hit home for us as women, as Asian American women. Um, and like Esther said, here's our process. 
and I hope that you get to kind of hear a bit of where Esther and I are coming from and even our personal stories of how we've had to deal with a lot of um, you know the harassment and the the treatment of being just Asian American growing up so why don't we start about um, let's talk about what happened this week um, so six out of the eight women who were working at the three different massage spas Mm-hmm. Um, six of them were Asian American and, um, all eight of them were killed, but this was, we're going to acknowledge this because it's the truth. It was an Asian hate crime. Absolutely. Um, and, um, the murderer was a 21 year old white man. <laughs> and so much of the news in the media has been centering, um, just who this man is and his right. identity. And crazy. Yeah. And I think it's really the Asian voices, especially on social media, that mm-hmm. have been trying to recenter um the lives of the Asian women mm-hmm. and um actively displaying their names and trying to share who they were in their families. Right. And I think we can learn from, you know, just this event that it's not normal or typical for us as Asians to be like broadcasted in this way right that it's oftentimes easily dismissed like oh an asian community is going through this or that group you know of people but like to highlight names and stories of asians like that doesn't happen very often um so i'm hoping that you know through this like awakening you know time that people focus on the stories and the backgrounds of these victims. Um, I think just a couple days ago, one of the sons of the victim uh, created a GoFundMe um, account. And like, he was just like, I don't normally do this. I don't know like who I reach out to. I don't even know what the next steps are, but I could use some help. And just the amount of support um, and I think he was just asking for like 20k and the last time I checked he was close to three million dollars wow yeah and and so like you see the outpour of support um going to these families but like we don't see that on the news you know we don't see any of these being displayed um during primetime news um so that's that's unfortunate mm-hmm yeah. And I think what you said really nails a point that we'll elaborate on later, but mm-hmm. just this idea that Asians are invisible, right? Our pain is invisible and in our stories and our identities. So mm-hmm. this podcast is also serving to bring to light who we are and to share and display that we're here. Absolutely. Yeah. So Karen, obviously we don't know these Asian women, but this mm-hmm. hits home. Like, Mm -hmm. can you share with us, why does this matter to you when these women aren't even a part of our family? Well, they, they feel like sisters, right? They feel like our aunties and like our moms, uh, like only because when, like I, I get massages very often and, um, although I go to like a professional massage therapist, like there are times where I'm like, I just want a really nice Asian massage so I can walk into a massage spa 
that focuses on like reflexology or however and they're all like older Asian mamas there and they work long hours to be there and you always remember their smile and them like interested in who you are what's your story and that's that reminds me of the auntie that I would meet when I walk into you know a massage spa and so when I was hearing about like these women being essentially targeted right because this stupid kid can't control his whatever temptations that he had and he wanted to eliminate his temptations by walking into these massage spas and and killing people like okay <laughs> um like that could be anyone and i remember i think they just put out uh, a story of a younger gal who's in her 30s and she was white um, but she had an appointment to meet with her husband for, you know, a couple's massage. And they were, you know, victims of that, too. Um, and so I guess why this is so close to me is really the unspoken, like, sexualization and fetishing of, like, Asian women, right? Mm-hmm. Immediately, this kid couldn't think of anything but to walk into an asian-owned like massage spa Mm -hmm. like that that is very uh like specific um and so for anyone who believes that this wasn't like racially like targeted like yes it is (laughs) Mm -hmm. because immediately you grouped you know uh a group of you know asian women into whatever you want to call his his issue is yeah thanks for sharing karen um as for me why does this matter to me it feels personal because when i think about the asian women that were working tirelessly for Mm -hmm. hours and hours using their bodies their hands their feet Mm -hmm. i think of my parents i think of my friend's parents i think of the asian immigrant experience where whether um, your parents left their motherland and they were educated or they came to America to be educated, to have more opportunity. The majority story is that um, our parents started from scratch. You know, mm-hmm. they started off with very little to nothing. And even to this day, my parents, um, they, their work is using their hands and their bodies and that mm-hmm. wears on them. Um, but they still work with the utmost dedication to support to support one another and their families and um to think that my mom could have been in that position mm-hmm. that vulnerable position for where sure she has been working for years and years and years without grumbling with honestly the best attitude ever and to think that she could have been shot to think mm-hmm. that she could have been killed that is so horrific and That hits home because those same Asian Asian women were breaking their bodies to support their families, to Mm -hmm. support their children. Um, And I think just on a humanity level, it's sickening. It's sickening to know that when a young man, a 21-year-old man, cannot control his urge, his sexual addiction, Mm -hmm. um, specifically towards Asian women. Right. Um, and he decides to be violent. He decides to be mad at and hurt 
the people, the thing that he covets, that's not okay. And we're just going to acknowledge that. And it's especially not okay when powerful people, when a police officer is going to publicly say that he was having a bad day. Um, yeah. So that's why this hits home. It's, there is no excuse, there's no justification for a grown man, an adult, being Mm -hmm. violent towards a group of people because Mm -hmm. of his issue. Absolutely. Yeah, and to go even deeper into that, um, the part about sexualizing and fetishizing Asian women, that's not new. That also hits home Mm -hmm. for both of Mm -hmm. us. Yes. Yes. The stereotyping of Asian women being submissive, quiet, small, reserved, not causing waves, and especially being obedient towards men. Those stereotypes cannot be generalized to all Asian women, but just as stereotypes do their job, that seems to be the case. Hmm. And so um, that was also, I truly believe that was also a thought that was played out in this murder in this 21 year old's mind to think oh these asian women they like they're vulnerable i can do this Mm -hmm. to them like they're and they're also desirable for that reason um so yeah (laughs) that's that's really it for me all of that yeah no thanks for sharing that esther and you're so right like just i love the stories that are being shared like this last couple weeks from women all around um from young to old and their experiences especially in the professional world of how like their white male bosses have treated them you know Mm. and it's this microaggression right that isn't explicit like in your face but it's this backhandling type of uh racism and treatment that that you know our greater sisters um all have to experience so Mm-hmm. So I, I hope that that you find time to to read and to really hear some of these stories. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I think at the end of the day, like if you can't relate to um the pain that our community has gone through, like that's okay. And I urge you to reach out to your Asian American friends and through those relationships, really start to hear out those stories and humanize them because mm. um they're real. Yeah. They are real. And um, I guess that's kind of the next thing that we would like to do, like to share our stories, to go um, deeper into that personal level. Mm-hmm. Um, Karen, what does, what does all this, all that we've just talked about bring up for you? <laughs> it's such a, a big question, you know, like earlier... Yeah. We were kind of debriefing, like, how are we going to start this episode? (laughs) Because there's so much in it that is painful to talk about. Um, And even earlier this week when we were kind of checking in, we were just like, I, it's, it's kind of like a bizarre thing that all of it is coming in a wave, you know? Um, Like time and time again, I've uh, talked a lot about like my own personal trauma as a young girl um, and my experiences like going to a private Christian university things like that Um, and even through like counseling like my 
my counselor knows everything. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but it's it's bringing up those stories again. And especially when I hear and I see, like, um, these stories being posted on social media. And I read it and I'm like, wow, like, I wasn't alone in those years. Or, like, this is actually so common that it's sickening, you know. Mm-hmm. And we've just kind of had to deal with it. And it goes into the idea of like, yeah, we have been very invisible because mm-hmm. we're the type where we would not make waves, you know, where we uh, we wouldn't know how to defend ourselves. Um, and so I think for me personally, like I can highlight a couple, you know, stories of when I was younger, um, I, I've always been like a curvier like girl as a young young girl and I remember like in third grade um this kid just kept harassing me like just talking about my butt like in like to the whole classroom Mm -hmm. and and he would always make fun of me he somehow thought it was really funny to keep talking about um and that just happened like every other day or so, um, and there were a time. There was there was a time where he actually, like, accidentally like swiped my butt or something, you know, and and it was always very embarrassing. But I don't think the teacher knew what to do with it. I think she was just kind of like, "Oh, kids, you know, like stop it" type thing, um, and. It was through those years that I then like shut my inner like girl self down and I started wearing like baggier clothes. I had a really long tomboy face <laughs> and and I just never wanted to wear clothing that was like form fitting anymore just because it I felt like it may attract too much attention or unwanted attention. Um and that somehow it was probably my fault that this boy was harassing me about my body, you know? Um, and so that was something that happened for a long time, um, just growing up. And, and there are many experiences, even as I'm older, where I could, like, walk into stores and immediately be harassed by, like, disturbing men (laughs) you know um and it's still like traumatic till this day where i i constantly have to check what i'm wearing in order to step outside the house um to make sure that you know my pants aren't too tight um and that if i wanted to wear leggings that i wear a bigger sweater or jacket that covers my bottom you know like having to kind of live uh with self-checking myself in terms of fashion um yeah that that just has been an ongoing thing and and that's why like I I think I get pretty insecure about like my body type and um you know but that's a whole nother story (laughs) yeah yeah um I would say in my older years like in college there were definitely more like microaggression type of experiences where um, I went to a private Christian university in Southern California and like the amount of 
Asians that you would see on campus, like you will point each other out. Like you kind of know each other's names, wow. <laughs> but you don't hang out with each other. No, that was the most bizarre thing mm. was there. I don't think there was like an Asian club. It was, it was highly like international student driven and I didn't feel like I fit into that pocket. So I never attended. Um, but all of my friends were white basically. And, um, there were very few like minorities on the campus and yeah it it was it was one of those times <laughs> and i think very early on when i you know first started going to uh, APU like a part of me was like okay Karen you need to assimilate mm-hmm. like you you just need to be like them so that you can make it through the next two, three years. Um, and there was a culture shock in the beginning. Um, but because my roommates were white, I think I just kind of had to learn their way, you know, if that makes sense. Like, yeah. And, and I remember like my professors (laughs) super ignorant. Like I remember one, my communications teacher, like the first assignment was like, okay, introduce yourself, you know? And, I said, like, I'm second generation, me an American, um, I'm, you know, daughter of immigrants and all these things. And then immediately he goes, oh, well, your English is really good. <laughs> like, oh gosh, WTF? Like, yeah. <laughs> did I not just say that I was born here and I'm American, you know? <laughs> so like things like that. And, and then at that time, like, I, I didn't know what to say. I didn't know how to email my professor and be like, hey, I was offended, you know, Um, and the only people that were familiar to me was, you know, who's a a great friend of mine right now, like Chirapan, who's Lao American, Um, and I just kind of stuck with, you know, the safe folks, um, and couldn't always find my place there, um, and, you know, tried to finish well, and not, not make any waves (laughs) waves <laughs> mm-hmm. so those those are some stories of of what this week has reminded me of and and how long I went with just trying to you know brush it off and just hope that it wouldn't happen again mm-hmm. yeah thanks so much for sharing Karen that's yeah I know there's even more to unpack there but mm-hmm. that is very real just this idea that we have to assimilate and it's not even a question that we do it's Mm -hmm. just on autopilot and then also us feeling this pressure to not cause waves not cause trouble right um that's definitely an attitude that has been passed down from our previous generation Mm -hmm. and um dare i say something to be corrected you know and yeah this there is no better time than now to correct that um and this is not to shame um, our elders in any way um, but it's actually to extend them grace and say we understand well we may not understand but we see what you had to go through mm-hmm. we understand that mindset but for us we know that we can no longer permit this sort of treatment mm. um yeah so thanks for sharing that karen yeah well, how about you, Esther? What does all of this bring up for you, especially, you know, growing up and your personal experiences? Yeah, I think it's 
really interesting to be Asian and female because Mm -hmm. already being a female, the world doesn't (laughs) cater for women. Exactly. (laughs) We've slowly been getting there, but still. And then being Asian on top of that, like you feel like this exotic foreign female. And um, I think there are just multiple layers of identities that society throws at you as an Asian American woman. Like you're a part of the, you know, you're the model minority. So there's the assumption that, oh, you should be smart. You should be good at math. You should be excelling. Regardless of all these barriers that get in the way of you being able to succeed, you know? So there's that Mm -hmm. sort of double standard. And um, also there's the fetishizing of Asian women. Again, this stereotype or this assumption that you're quiet, you're submissive, um, you're cute. The word cute is so charged for Asian women. It's like, I hate that word sometimes (laughs) because I'm like, is that all you're going to call me? Like, yeah. I'm so much more than that. Right. Uh, why is cute the first word that comes to you? You know, I would examine that. Um, so there's that. And then also messages from my own community. Like, I think that's what hurts the most. Like, if there are outsiders that tell me what they think I am or what I'm not, like, of course it hurts. But, um, like, for instance... Early on, I was always told how a Korean girl should be, like, in terms of body image, behavior, and attitude, and luckily for me, I've never been any of those things. (laughs) I've never been quiet. Um, I've never been very submissive. (laughs) And I've never really been small. Um, I've never been um, short and ultra petite and slim and slender. If I go to Korea, I get called all sorts of things, and I get various looks because of my size and also my volume. Um, And I love that about me. Yeah. But it was quite a journey to get here because I distinctly remember I was in elementary school and my grandma, love her, my haimoni, she had flown from Korea to um, stay with us for a couple of years and it's her first time seeing me in a while. And we meet her at the airport, and she's just visibly disappointed. (laughs) She looks at me, and she's visibly disappointed. And I'm like, oh, no. She already, I already know what she thinks, what she's thinking. She thinks I'm fat. She thinks I need to lose weight. And, of course, that's true, like, for her. And we go, um, our family, we go to a Korean restaurant. We get seated, and all the side dishes come out, and the rice, and the meat, and in front of everyone who was sitting like as a kid this felt like a huge display she takes away my bowl of rice and she scooches all the vegetable side dishes and she's like you can only have this like don't have any other rice don't have any of the meat and this was like my first day seeing her Mm -hmm. after a while after years yeah and so that message has been ingrained like within my own family my own community about how I should look like and how I should behave like to be even more specific like I've always had an outrageous laugh I've always had this need to voice um something to voice when something is being when when something is wrong like at school I could not stand bullies I just couldn't stand them And so I would confront them. And a couple of times throughout elementary school, I would get sent to the principal's office (laughs) because I didn't like that. 
um, bullies were preying on those yeah, who absolutely. had no friends who were teased mm-hmm. constantly. And I would get punished for my own parents because I was causing waves. And so just throughout my childhood, that has always been the box I should be in, even though that is not who I am. I wasn't built to be that, but I should be that. Um, so that was something to really work through throughout my formative years. And um, I would also say, like, um, as a larger whole, as, a f- as um, being a part of my family, I saw how they were treated differently. Um, for instance, like, we would always get served last, you know, at a restaurant. Mm. And the way that my parents were spoken to, maybe they might have, they might not have noticed, but I would certainly notice how they would treat and directly look at a person who spoke quote-unquote perfect English mm-hmm. versus how they would talk to my parents. Um, and just seeing that as a kid enraged me because... Um, in my mind, I thought, like, my parents, like, aren't less than them, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, why do they think they can treat my parents like that? And growing up now, looking back, I realized, like, that was deeply wrong because Asian Americans, um, they're also part of the backbone of our country, you know? There are our black and brown communities who offer so much, who contribute so much to our economy, but also part of that is us Asians. Mm-hmm. And it feels like our parents and our elders get exploited for their work yet they're treated so poorly and so um all of that like all of that pain and um just the injustice gets brought up for me um when i think about the hate crimes that have been surging lately uh thanks for sharing that esther no your your stories are so real and again like the more stories i hear it's it's of the same, right? Like, it's of the same experience, the same hate, um, especially our parents. Like, for mm-hmm. us as second gen, like, where English is, you know, fine, all of that. Like, our parents also get, like, the front of the discrimination and, you know, the treatment, like, specifically in health field, in the health field. Mm-hmm. Like, I've seen my parents just get like thrown off like really quickly or dismissed by doctors and medical mm. providers because they can't speak the language well oh, um geez. so it yeah like you said it brings up so much more deeper things you know in us mm-hmm. that doesn't even begin with us it's also our parents um and how we grew up so yeah, yeah. absolutely thanks for sharing that esther yeah of course um Again, these are just like snippets of our story. Like it's not even the whole story, you no. know. Um, but like a reason for why we're wanting to bring all of this up today. One, it's very relevant to, you know, the hashtag Stop Asian Hate. Um, but like secondly, we also hope that our podcast would be of some like encouragement for for all of our listeners to express themselves, right? Mm-hmm. To express their stories. Um, and those who may not be of Asian background, like for you to be able to hear and learn alongside a lot of us. Um, and Esther and I, like, I think a lot of our like peers and friends, like they tend to often say like, we, 
we're very patient with them mm-hmm. <laughs> and and we love educating right is mm-hmm. is one thing that our friends would say about us and so um yeah if you're someone who's curious if you're someone who who's like i i still don't get it like would you walk with me like send us an email send us a message yeah. um and we'd love to have those conversations with you yes yeah that's such a great point karen thanks for sharing that i think ultimately our beliefs reflect our relationships mm-hmm. and um if you find that you don't have a lot of asian voices in your circle i would urge you to maybe reach out um and for those of you who are friends with asian americans um don't be afraid to ask questions mm-hmm Um, I think that's really the first step within your relationships or to be relationships. Continue to get curious and ask questions. And also, please reach out. This is not the best time to assume that your Asian American friends simply know you care. It's actually the perfect time to express that you care. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think a perfect example is like this week I had a couple coworkers just email me, you know, and I was like, Hey Karen, I see what's going on. Um, especially, you know, with the Asian community, like just to let you know, I'm here for you if you need anything or anyone to talk with or process with, you know? And I'm like, wow, I feel very seen even in that. And they're not Asian, you know? So the fact that they just put their voice out there and said, hey, I see you, you're my friend, my coworker, like that meant a lot. Um, so if you haven't done that, you know, with your Asian peers or however, like I really encourage it. It, mm-hmm. it, makes, it makes us feel like we are welcomed in this space um, and that is safe, so. Absolutely, mm-hmm. yeah. And if I can add in one thing to that too, um, I got a text from, one of my friends as well last week and just to feel her support um to to feel her allyship made me feel very protected Mm. and as a person who um likes to protect others it was really nice to receive that sort of security um so yeah that's just another bonus reason why um you should just reach out to your friends who are hurting right now Mm mm-hmm And lastly, donating is always a great option too. Um, There are tons of AAPI orgs that you can support and also within your own community. It's a great time to look around and see what's available. Um, If you're in the King County, Seattle area, there are lots and lots of mom and pops in the South Side, such as Renton, Kent, Federal Way, and also in the International District of South Seattle. Yeah, I think this is a great time to support those families, to give to those family businesses and say, hey, we love your food, but we also recognize you. So with that, we want to thank you so much for listening and um, hearing out our experiences and our stories. We hope that um, if this moved you in any way, and if you know us, that this probes you to act, um, at the very least get curious and continue to reach out to the Asian American community. Absolutely. So again, just going back to a new light podcast and the origin of why, you know, we started this was really to share of the Asian American female experience. 
So in the next couple episodes, we kind of want to invite more stories. So we'll be inviting our good friends and just other stories of, you know, Asian American women who, you know, come from different backgrounds and professions, maybe even, um, and join us on on our podcast. So I hope you guys look forward to it. Um, and all of this, you know, we we just hope that it inspires you um, again to to know differently, to do differently, and um, and just to be healthier all around. <laughs> Well, thanks so much for tuning in on episode eight. This is Esther. And this is Karen. And we'll see you on our next episode. Yes. Bye. Bye.